My name is Chris. I'm the director of Global Missions and Justice at Cornerstone Church. If what we shared excites you at all, please come talk to me. Um, if I haven't had a chance to talk to you, please come talk to me. It might take me a couple of times to remember your name, but I promise it's only because I'm not used to making friends. Um, working at Cornerstone Church has been a serious privilege for me. Um, I've been working in ministry for about six years now. And one of the greatest privileges of a pastor, a missionary, or anybody who is in ministry is to be invited to speak at a retreat or conference or another church. And I remember uh, how pumped I was to speak at a retreat my first year in ministry. It was a church in Florida, and I super respected the pastor. I remember not even hesitating to say yes when he asked me over the phone. And I was thankful because I really felt like God was honoring my call to go into ministry. And that year was really hard. Um, my father's business was failing. One of my grandmothers passed away. Um, the other got cancer. My mom was hospitalized. Ministry was really a reprieve. It was a refuge. Gave me life. So fast forward, the retreat is over. And thank God no one accused me of heresy. Um, I had a blast, I learned a lot, and I was so thankful to God for a great experience. And I remember flying home on Thursday morning and coming home and I noticed that my parents were home and not at work. Turns out they were evicted by the landlord and our sinking business finally sunk into the ocean depths. And my first thought was, God, how can you do this to me? I spent weeks preparing for this retreat. I gave my life to you. How could you do this to my family? And sometimes you might ask this yourself. How do I maintain good terms with God? How do I be thankful when it seems like a lot of the promises that he made to me seem empty? How do you walk with God and keep your faith afloat in difficult, hard times? Shouldn't my life as a Christian get better exponentially in every way? So we're beginning a new sermon series today on Advent entitled God's Promises Fulfilled and Ongoing. Advent means arrival. We're commemorating, celebrating, and reflecting on uh, Jesus' entrance into the world as a human being and also his second coming, when he returns to heal a, a very broken world. And in the Old Testament, God spoke through the prophets, people like you and me, to publicly share his promises, to liberate and give homes to the Israelites who are often slaves, refugees, and beholden to foreign powers. Jesus initiates these promises by being born as a human being, to live the life that we could never live, and to ascend to his throne through dying on the cross. Now Christians wait for his return so the promises will become fully manifested. Promises of a new creation, promises of healing, promises of the undoing of death. And when you read the Bible, you notice quickly God makes a lot of promises. Promises for healing, for hope, for peace. Promises that we will not be alone. Promises that we will be loved for who we are. But sometimes 
holidays like Thanksgiving and Christmas remind us very quickly of what we don't have. A whole family, constant companionship and community, love, careers that we want. So what do we do until that day comes? What do you do in your daily routine that seems so boring and lifeless? What do you do until that day comes when you're so depressed? Your future seems to have no roadmaps, and your routine looks like it's not going to change at any time. With Thanksgiving coming up, how do you express gratitude honestly when your life might not be where you want it to be? How do you express gratitude honestly when it seems like God is absent from my life and his promises seem empty? So that's what we'll be trying to tackle this morning. How do I live out Thanksgiving through hard times? And we're going to be looking at Psalm 69, 29 through 36. Hear God's word from Psalm 69. But as for me, afflicted and in pain, may your salvation protect me, God. I will praise God's name with a song, and I will glorify him with thanksgiving. The poor will see and be glad. You who see God, let your hearts revive. The Lord hears the needy and does not despise his captive ones. Let heaven and earth praise him, the seas and all that move in them, for God will save Zion and rebuild the cities of Judah. Then the people will settle there and possess it. The children of his servants will inherit it, and those who love his name will dwell there. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for our breath. We thank you for life. We thank you for the fact that we can sit here, sheltered from the rain and the wind. God, we pray that though we come here routinely every week, may we be reminded that our bodies and this place are sacred, that we encounter you and that you speak to us and that we might be transformed by an encounter with your love. Spirit, I pray that you would meet where people are, and I pray that you would comfort them. Would you soften them? May they not resist your holy power and your grace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Psalm 69 is a psalm by David. If you scan through the song, David laments, or he complains just how tough his life is. He feels like a foreigner in his own family. He feels like he's failing his loved ones, and he's angry. May my enemies be blotted out from the book of life, he exclaims. And verse 29, he starts, but I am inflicted and in pain. Can you relate with this song? Do you feel anxious with all the bills you have to pay with your limited budget? Have you been committing to this church, but for some reason you feel more of a stranger today than when you first entered those doors? Do you feel like your performance at school or at work has been diminishing and your supervisor has expressed some concerns? 
Is your marriage rocky? Or you and your spouse just not on the same wavelength? Some of us might feel like we have a lot to get off our chest. Things have been building up and been frustrating. But notice this song pivots. But as for me, afflicted and in pain, God, may your salvation protect me. I will praise God's name with a song, and I will glorify his name with thanksgiving. And instead of turning to cynicism and hopelessness, what does David turn to? He turns to gratitude. So what we learn from David is this. You can choose gratitude. You can choose gratitude to be your attitude in your hard times. And you can choose gratitude while you wait for God's promises. And David can be completely honest with God. He doesn't have to hold back his anger, his frustration, his sorrow, or loneliness, or confusion. He doesn't even have to hold back his demands that God wipes out his enemies from existence. God hears the full spectrum of your negative emotions. And we learn that it's okay to be miserable and grateful at the same time. How is that? David is going through this process called lament. Lament is when you can complain to God honestly about the present, but in order to trust God and keep going with hope, you have to recall the past. You have to remember all that God has done for you. When I remember how God has brought my family out of difficult situations, like my family's bankruptcy, when I remember how God surrounded me with friends while I tried to process depression, I can't help but remember and thank God for his faithfulness. So giving thanks is really giving testimony. Testimony about how God has worked things out in your life. And when we express thankfulness, we reassemble our assurance and our trust in God to be there when we really need him to be. But it's not enough to keep it for ourselves. If you go to the next verse, it says, what? This will please God more than an ox, more than a bull with its hooves and horns. Sorry, that's not what I was talking about. Um, Sorry. I will praise God's name with the song. I will glorify him with thanksgiving. So one scholar explains that the song, the praise, is about the sound. You vocalize it. But when you glorify God with thanksgiving, another way to say that is to magnify him with thanksgiving. I am making God's faithfulness known to other people. I am outspoken about how good God is to me. My difficult situation doesn't define, nor does it qualify God's love for me. And sometimes some of us struggle with that because we intellectually understand that we can be honest about our emotions. But some of us, a lot of us, come from cultures where it's actually shameful to express your sorrow. Or we feel like it's a burden to people. And we also live in a culture where sometimes we make too light of negative emotions with with humor, with memes. And that's something I'm guilty of because sometimes I'd rather use humor to cope with sadness and discomfort than let God speak to me. 
Is there a way you tend to deal with stress in an unhealthy way and try out to block God's voice? But instead, in hard times, I can choose gratitude by taking a step back and remembering how God has intervened in my life. Because gratitude is a space where I can sit undistracted and let God speak to me. Gratitude is a space where it's just me and God. I don't have to be absorbed by my sadness, nor crushed by shame and my circumstances. I can give thanks because God has brought me out of difficult situations before and he promises to bring me out of them again. And I hope that you can realize that you can thank God not in spite of your circumstances, but because of them. You might be able to say, thank you, God, that you have brought me out of pain before and I trust you that you'll do it again. You can pray, thank you, God, that in my struggle with lust, You've convicted me of what I've done as wrong. And even though I watched porn today, thank you, God, for giving me grace not to feel like a failure, but grace to resist and not give in next time. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that though I have wronged people, have made mistakes that I regret, you forgive me. And you give me a security so that I can ask others for forgiveness. I pray that you will choose gratitude to be your attitude in hard times and at all times. So choose gratitude. And when you choose gratitude, two things happen. Number one, choosing gratitude pleases God. Verse 31, this will please the Lord more than an ox, more than a bull with its horns and hooves. Why is thanksgiving more pleasing to God than an ox or a bull. An ox is the most expensive offering you could give to God in David's time. David isn't denying the importance of tithing or say that God refuses your money. He's actually saying both praise and monetary offerings are necessary components of worship. But praise and thanksgiving please God more. Two reasons for why I think gratitude pleases God more. Number one, the first reason gratitude pleases God more is because thanksgiving verbalizes our feelings to God. Sometimes I forget that God wants an individual, intimate relationship with me. That sounds strange, doesn't it? A God you can't see, a God you can't hear, a God you can't touch wants a personal friendship with you. God wants to speak to you. Christians do this through prayer. God wants you to get to know him. Christians do this by reading the Bible. And he wants you to know that he cares about you. Choosing gratitude pleases God because when we express gratitude, we verbalize to God our love and how much we care about him. And most importantly, God listens to you. Verse 33, the Lord hears the needy. So let me illustrate what that might look like. My seminary professor once told my class a story of how he used to counsel a couple. He was counseling uh, a 30-year-old, uh, a married couple whose 30-year-old marriage had been on thin ice. In one counseling session, the husband finally confessed, I no longer love my wife. And so my professor asked him, can you just tell me all the things you appreciate about your wife? 
The man stared at the professor. He paused, he reflected, and he said, well, I always appreciated how she put the children to bed at night, and how she always got them ready for school in the morning. And then he kept going, he kept thinking about more things he was grateful for, and soon, tears began to well in his eyes. Because there's something about the act of remembering and verbally appreciating his wife that became a transforming experience for this man and his marriage. Likewise, choosing gratitude pleases God because we're saying, God, we need you. We love you, and we're thankful for all the things you've done for us. This is an exercise of love between you and God. You speak, God listens. The second reason gratitude pleases God more is because gratitude makes a positive impact on the people around us. Verse 32, the poor will see and be glad. You who see God, let your hearts revive. What are they seeing? They're seeing your thanksgiving, your gratitude. Poor here means people who are powerless, who have no more strength to go on, whose options have completely ran out, and their only option is God. When you express gratitude, when you choose it, you infect others with hope. When you share your story about God's faithfulness, people take notice, and it might actually energize them. And that's how we share the gospel at our workplace, at our schools, with our friends, with family members who don't believe. Because sharing our stories about how we process difficult situations in our lives show how God works in our lives. I remember the first conversation I ever had at seminary. I was talking to uh, a lawyer who recently had become a Christian and had decided to enter ministry. He was remarried, had kids, and his workplace was very stressful. But for some reason, he often noticed that his secretary was never stressed, never anxious, always calm. And one day he just asked her, how do you stay so calm? Where do you, why are you the way you are? And she looked at him and she responded, because I'm a Christian. You need to come to church with me. Sharing how grateful we are to God is a way to invite others to encounter the love of God and to show that he's real. I pray and hope that you can choose gratitude because it, verbalizes, it, it pleases God because we not only verbalize our, our love for God, but we also make a positive impact on the people around us. So choose gratitude. Number one, choose gratitude because it pleases God. And number two, choose gratitude because choosing gratitude shows you a new world. Verse 34 through 36, let heaven and earth praise him, the seas and all that move in them. For God will save Zion and will rebuild its cities. Then people will settle there and possess it. The children of his servants will inherit it, and those who love his name will dwell there. This is the new world that God is promising. And I don't know about you. I think some of you are thinking this. New world makes you think about the song from Aladdin. 
There's a song in Aladdin called A Whole New World where uh, Aladdin brings Princess Jasmine, whose only world has been the palace, and he shows her there's a whole new world outside beyond the walls. And I want, you to let, I want to let you know that was on purpose. Not because this is my favorite song to sing at karaoke. <laughs> I sing both parts. <laughs> but I picked this song because it helps us understand the emotions going on between David and God. Let me read you a portion of the song. A whole new world, a new fantastic point of view, no one to tell us no or where to go or say we're only dreaming. A whole new world, a dazzling place I never knew, but now from way up here it's crystal clear. I'm in a whole new world with you. And you're thinking this is a love song. You're right. Because I think one of the most helpful ways to understand the Bible is that it's a love song from God to you. He's telling you a story and giving you a bird's eye view of why this world is so broken and messed up. He wants you to know there's a reason why good people get screwed over and hurt. He's showing you a whole picture, his picture, his plan. I have a plan not to merely relieve your pain, but to heal you from it. Not merely to comfort you, but to liberate you from your misery. To give you a forever home, because Zion is a place where you and I will be together forever. And I'm doing these things because I love you. You see, God promises us that kind of future. We can't quite know when that future will come, but God is saying, trust me. And when we choose gratitude, we are saying, God, we trust you because you have shown us the future you intend for us. Thanksgiving is acknowledging that trust and awaiting that God will follow through. So how do we know we can trust God? Well, God doesn't just make promises, he makes a covenant. A covenant is a binding relationship with agreements that should you break these agreements, you'd enact serious penalties on yourself. So serious that you'd be obliterated from existence. Do you, know, want, to, do you want to know why this world is so messed up? This world is so messed up because human beings broke its covenant with God. Human beings messed up the world. It tainted and deformed creation. It hurt people in unspeakable ways. But God does not enact those penalties on you or me. God enacts punishment on himself. Jesus' whole mission on earth was to ensure that God's promises for you and me would be fulfilled because God keeps his word and he's faithful even when we are faithless. And Jesus accomplished his mission by entering a space without hope, without any return, without rescue, or without promise. The cross. He gets nothing. You get everything. Jesus 
gets a grave, you get a future. Even in his last moments, Jesus is ensuring that the people around him have a future. He speaks to the criminal nailed next to him, promising him that he would be with Jesus forever. In his last moments, he makes sure that his mother has a new family that would provide for her. I love what Jesus says in the New Testament in the book of John. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would have I told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you may also be where I am. You know the place where I'm going. We choose gratitude because we see a new world, a world that God had originally intended for humanity. The future God has planned for us, a world without pain, without suffering, without death, without poverty, without injustices, a place, a place where everyone truly feels like they belong enables us to be grateful for what Jesus has done on the cross, for the price that he paid, and we remain hopeful for what's about to come. Because I have security not in my possessions, which might be taken away from me. I don't have security in my intelligence because I'll grow old and my faculties will go away. I don't have security in my friends because one day you'll go away from me. I have security because I am a child of God and his love pushes me through hard times and suffering. Cynicism will will repel off of me because I choose gratitude and because I'm grateful for the future God has promised me and because I know God is coming back for me. So in the meantime, when you pray, when you express thanksgiving, when you speak about God to people, I pray that you would do it in the past, present, and future tense. When you pray, remind yourself about what God has done for you in the past. But in the present, you can be honest with him about how terrible your situation is. And declare that the promises that God has made to you will be fulfilled in the future. Pray in the past, present, and future tense. So choose gratitude. Choose gratitude because it pleases God and because it shows you a whole new world. I want to end with this poem by Maya Angelou. Continue to let gratitude be the pillow you kneel on before you go to bed. Choose gratitude through hard times and all times. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the fact that you sent your son to come live on earth and to die as man. To make the sacrifice that we could not God, I thank you that we have a reason to choose gratitude. It's because you love us. It's because you will rescue us from this broken world. And Father, as 
as Thanksgiving comes, I pray that we could really look back. Some of us are in situations where we feel quite content. God, may we remember of all the things you brought us through to get here. And for some of us, Thanksgiving is a little painful. Family members who have passed away. Family members who don't want to see us. Family members we don't want to see. God, instead of just giving up on them, God, because you never give up on us, may we show them grace and choose gratitude. We thank you so much. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.